Amen. Good day to all of you. Um, I hope that I'll be welcome in your house. Uh, it feels like I'm going to be speaking to you from your house. But here's something interesting. Um, next week, we're going to be uh, coming to you live, and we're going to have a physical audience here at Bangunan Yin as well as SMCC. So I hope to see many of you to come and join us physically next week. All right, but that's next week. So for this week, um, I'm still going to look in the camera uh, and I'd like to, to introduce myself. My name is Joel. Uh, I'm one of the pastors in Workplace at the River. It is one of our SIBKL church plants and uh, it's my pleasure to bring the Word of God to you this morning. So, um, you know, we've gone through about uh, five out of the seven churches, right? Uh, let me get the, the churches uh, there. Uh, we've gone through Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, or Sardis. So here's what I'd like you to do right now. Drop in the chat out of these five churches, which has been the most impactful to you. All right, uh, so, so drop it in the chat. Is it, is it Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, or Sardis? All right, well, today I'm given the task to share with you the sixth church, uh, and that is the church of Philadelphia. All right, and, and I'll be reading from uh, Revelation 3, and just a little bit of background of the church of Philadelphia. So the, this church of Philadelphia is located in modern-day Turkey. Um, it's a place called Alessehis, all right? Alessehis, which literally, it literally means this, brotherly love, brotherly love, or the church or the city of him who loves his brother. What a city, right? What a name to have for a city. And on top of that, this city of uh, uh, Philadelphia is the youngest city that John wrote to. In fact, this city was only formed in the mid-2nd century. So it's, it's a city of brotherly love. It is a young city. But more than that, it is also a prosperous city. The city of Philadelphia, it had one of the greatest highways in the world. And it was, uh, it, there was a highway that led from Europe to, to, to the east, all right? And, and Philadelphia was literally the gateway from one continent to another, all right? So Philadelphia was something um, interesting as well. And Philadelphia was known for its beautiful buildings. I'm sure you can see it on, on the screen. It was called Little Athens because of the architecture of that city, now, as we look at the city of, of uh, Philadelphia, here's something interesting to note. The city of Philadelphia was one of the only two cities that the Lord said nothing negative, nothing bad about this city. In fact, he had no condemnation. He had only praises and encouragement for the city of, of Philadelphia. And, and I'd like to highlight a couple of things about the church of Philadelphia today. So let me read a couple of verses from Revelations 3. Uh, I'm going to read from Revelations 3, verse 7 and 8, um, the, the, the verses on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, do follow along as well. Reading from verse 7, it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. 
I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So the first thing that we can see here is open doors. Doors that no one can shut. So, you know, oftentimes when the word, when the Bible talks about an open door, it is speaking about an opportunity for evangelism. It's an, a God-given opportunity to preach the word. It's a God-given opportunity to advance the gospel. In, in Colossians, Colossians 4 verse 3, it says this, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And, and this is Paul speaking. So Philadelphia was known, I mean, I've just talked about how it's, it's right in the center of, of, of this place, right? And it's, it's got all these highways. It had an evangelistic call, uh, calling, in inverted commas, right? So the city of Philadelphia, it, was, it, it had this mission of uh, preaching and spreading the Greek culture and, and language all across that region. So, uh, but what was happening now in Revelation 3 was that Jesus was going to open the door for the church of Philadelphia, uh, the Christians in the church of Philadelphia, to spread the culture, not of just, just the Greek culture, but of his kingdom and of his rule throughout the whole region that there was, was there. Amen. So that is something amazing about the church of, of Philadelphia. So um, in order to go through this door, they needed to step out in faith to, to uh, uh, fulfill this calling of God. Amen. So I'm not sure um, how many of you know of a church like this or, uh, well, I want to believe that we are part of a church like this, but I am blessed because I am, am part of a church that is actively living this out. So, and, and that is Workplace at the River. And as I mentioned at the start, it's, it's a church plan of SIBKL. And um, I've got a couple of pictures here. This shows the beautiful architecture of the church. Incidentally, this is just a 3D rendering. Um, uh, we are under renovation right now as we speak. Uh, it's being demolished and it's going to be uh, renovated nicely. So for those of you who have joined us uh, physically at Wisma Maran, that's where we normally meet, um, what happened is that we had about half the floor. But as at this year, we are going to get the whole floor all to ourselves. So praise God for that. Um, praise God for the way he's, he's expanding the church. By the way, it's, it's nothing uh, that we have done. Somebody donated it to us. Lock, stock and barrel, you know, uh, everything. So we're going to take up the whole floor. So do join us, whether online or physically. Uh, and we'd love to welcome you to Workplace at the River, uh, our church plant. All right. But more than just the church or the church plant, is what we are, we are doing. It's, it's more than just the beauty of the building. I want to highlight the open door that God has at workplace at the river. So He has caused this church to be birthed out of uh, Alpha. If, if some of you have heard of Alpha, Alpha Malaysia, uh, we have run multiple Alpha in the workplace uh, uh, groups, all right? And, and this is something interesting. Um, Alpha in the workplace um, uh, is, is right in the heart of KL City. In fact, if you come and, and join us uh, and, and you look out the window, 
we literally look at the confluence of Sungai Gomba and Sungai Klang. It's something that is completely amazing. Come and join us. We've got almost a 360 view of the, the surroundings. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wetting all your appetites, all right? So uh, I'm going to expect the, the relaunch to, to burst at the seams with social distancing, of course. Um, so uh, this is, is what uh, 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 that we've experienced in, in Alpha. We have 37 groups in over 30 locations with over 100 salvations, 111 salvations uh, so far over the past couple of years. Why don't you give God some praise where you are at your homes? You know, praise God for all the salvations. Amen. This is indeed an open door. Amen. Don't you think it's an open door that God has given us? Uh, it is, God has blessed us with this open door. And I want to encourage all of us that are here, wherever you may be, wherever God has placed you, um, uh, He has given you an open door, not just for, for, uh, for, for uh, your influence to expand, but for salvation. The open door is an opportunity for evangelism. And we must walk through it. Let's be obedient and walk through that open door. And God wants us to take every evangelistic opportunity that He's given through that door. I want to encourage all of us um, here that, that there could be many of us that are, are watching today and you could be in different places. You could be at your workplace, you could be at a school, um, you could be at your colleges or universities and even the location, the physical location of your home, right? Um, the neighbours on your street, for those of you who stay in condos, the, the people that stay uh, down your corridor, you are placed at your, your home for such a time as this. And I believe it is an open door for the work of salvation and evangelism. So let's not despise wherever we may be right now, be it at our workplace, at our schools, or even at home. So I've talked about open doors, but I want to talk about the next thing, which is open hands. Open hands. In verse 8, it says this, I know that you have little strength Yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. You have little strength, but have not denied my name. So the church of Philadelphia is a church of, of little strength. It had little strength. And when we look at this phrase, little strength, we may jump to the conclusion and say, oh, Philadelphia must be weak, right? They've got little strength, therefore they are weak. But that's not true. Let's look at, at, at what it says. Um, it, it does not mean that they, have, they, they are weak, but their little strength does not come from them, themselves. It is not strength in a man's perspective, but it's strength from God's perspective. And the strength that they have comes from the Lord. Because the church of Philadelphia, or the Christians of the church of Philadelphia, they had no choice but to depend on God for their strength. Just as the Apostle uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, and I'm going to read it out for you. It says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Amen, amen. This is, this, this is what Paul says. You know, some of us may have heard this, this saying. It, it goes something like this. God helps those who help themselves. 
How many of you have heard that, that hearing? Yeah, you can, you can, that saying, you can drop it in the chat. I've had people uh, who have said that to me. You know, Joel, God helps those who help themselves. Um, I hope nobody makes a reference to this. But you know what? That saying is not biblical at all. That saying is not biblical at all because the truth of the matter is God helps those who rely fully, completely, and entirely on Him. Amen? So when I'm talking about little strength, I'm, I'm talking about little human strength, but I'm talking about all of God's strength. And that's what I want to focus on today. The Bible is very clear when, when, we, when we talk about um, uh, this, this phrase, right? I just talked about it. God helps those who help themselves. The Bible is very clear that that's, that's not true. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, um, verse 5, it says this, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. And verse 7 says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. So the church of Philadelphia was blessed and I believe they, they are blessed not because they, they were weak or not because they had little strength, but because they trusted in God. They had their hands open. They were, were there with open hands to seek help, to seek strength that came from the Lord. You know, this reminds me, and, and I believe all of us here in SIBKL, for those of you who are joining us from another church, you're most welcome. But here in SIBKL, we are called uh, to, to minister to our brothers and sisters in East Malaysia, in Sabah and Sarawak. And you know, the, 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 the church in Sabah and Sarawak, it may seem weak, it may look weak, but I want to remind us all, don't look down on them. So we, have, we in SIBKL have spent over the last 12 years to build them, to strengthen them. And, and I believe that our senior pastors have heard from God and they are doing as the Lord has spoken and, and told them to do. And um, so this is, is something that I experienced just, just a couple of weeks back. So uh, for those of you who uh, attend the Malaysia United Firewall, uh, all right, so there was a Malaysia United Firewall gathering just about two weeks ago and, and I attended it, it was online. And I was very impressed by the East Malaysian Church. And I'm not talking about uh, impressive in terms of numbers or turnout or, or how they prayed. But what I noticed was their depth of relationship with God. You know, when they pray, it's not of, of eloquence. It's not out of an eloquence or a, a good speech. In fact, English is not even their first language. They, they speak all the, the, the native languages, right? So they had to learn English. So it had nothing to do with, with eloquence. And, and these people, these, these East Malaysians from Sabah and Sarawak, they would say, I would rather remain nameless. I would rather remain faceless. But because the Lord has called all of us to unity, because all the, the Lord has called us to pray and to cry out for my land, for our land, I will do it. And I'm really inspired by them. You know, uh, they, they have really risen up. You know, when they pray, and, and yes, there, there were some of them who prayed that night, 
There is a depth of relationship with God and, and you know that these people, they're not talking about it in a, in a, in a, in a, a, a cerebral sense, you know, like it's, it's from their mind, but they've really experienced God for themselves. And, and in fact, that's what I pray for all of us here uh, today. But we could hear it in the way they prayed. We could, we could hear it in the way they spoke. It's not about a performance. They were not putting up a show. We could hear that, that um, they were not praying out of thunderous prayers. But I believe because of their humility, because of their willingness, they have an authority over our land, which I've never seen before. And all this comes from a humble bunch of East Malaysians, Sabahans and Sarawakians. Amen. So let's not look down on what the world looks at as weak because the Lord has something very different for them. Amen. So I want to encourage all of you, even as we encourage the church in, in Sabah and Sarawak, for those of you here, you may be feeling weak. You may be feeling like, you know, you are, you are insignificant. Um, uh, it, it could be that you are the only Christian among your colleagues or you could be the only Christian among your classmates in, in your school, in your college, in your university. And, and for some of you, you may be the youngest in your family and it may feel like you don't have a voice. Or you may even be in the workplace and you may be the lowest ranking officer, especially for those of you who are fresh grads in, in the workplace, right? Um, or you could even be a homemaker and all day, all you do is to look at your, your kids, right? Don't look at your position. Don't look at your circumstance and say, this is a hindrance. I can't do what God has, has told me to do. But I want to encourage all of you to believe that God can use you. God will use your, your position. God will use your situation to fulfill His purposes wherever you are in whatever you do to show His glory for such a time as this. You know, just as, as uh, we have a posture of open hands and uh, we have a posture of, Lord, I'm here, use me. You've called me, I want you to use me. But I want to encourage all of you to, to say, Lord, use your glory, use me to show your glory, your power to the people that I'll be meeting with today, to the people that I'll be uh, in touch with today. Let's remember this phrase, when we are weak, He is strong. When we are weak, He is strong. So the Lord will use you, your situation, your circumstance for His glory and for His purposes. Amen? Amen? So I've talked about today um, open doors and open hands. And I want to move to the next aspect, which is also found in, in verse 8. It, it talks about this. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's in verse 8. So the church of Philadelphia was faithful to Jesus. It was faithful to His word. And this phrase, um, you have not denied my name. It's, it's not just talking about a verbal, yes, Lord, I believe you kind of thing. But the people of Philadelphia, the Christians in Philadelphia, lived their life in such a way that they were faithful to both the name and the character of Jesus Christ. What they had was open hearts. The people of Philadelphia had open hearts. So the church of Philadelphia, they did not deny the name of Jesus. 
regardless of all the pressures and persecution that, that they would have faced. Um, and you know, even as, as the, the people, they, they proclaim Christ, even if they were persecuted for it, and even there, were, there could have been times where they had to pay the price for it. You know, for many of, of us, uh, and, and for, for uh, many of us who run churches and are in ministry, there is a certain measure of success in ministry. And we often look uh, at success in ministry in, in the same lens, with the same lens as we were to look at success at the workplace, at the marketplace. And um, the success of a church is many a times looked at whether the congregation is growing, whether the congregation is, is large. Um, now that we are on, online, whether we get views and hits on Facebook and YouTube, you know, it's all these things. Whether the tithes and offering um, are increasing, you know, going up. Um, and, and even whether there are more and more people serving in the various ministries in church. And there are also measures like, uh, do we have buildings? Have we acquired the, the biggest, most beautiful buildings and, and physical locations? Well, how many, or even how many people the auditorium can hold? What major events does that church have? And these are all good measures, you know. Don't, don't get me wrong. These are all good things. But it may not be God's measures. These are uh, good measures, but they may not be God's measures. So what does God look like when He looks at a church? What is God's, God's measure of success? He looks at this. He looks at our faithfulness. He looks at our faithfulness, how faithful we are to do exactly what He has called us to do. So I just want to encourage all of us, even for, for those of you who are watching online and you may be coming from a different church, that each church has a unique God-given purpose and plan that He has ordained for that church. And for, for many of you who are joining us, um, for us here in SIBKL, it is to focus and is to strengthen the church of East Malaysia, the church of Sabah and Sarawak. And I want to encourage you, wherever you may be coming from, if you, you are coming from another church or if you're from SIBKL, let me encourage you, Let's focus on the call that God has for our church. Let's be faithful to all that God has called us within our personal lives as well as within the church. You know, even as I speak to you about faithfulness um, and, and what the measure of success is, I'm reminded about, about a person. And, and, and uh, I'm sure as I talk about this person, you will know who it is. I believe this person, this man, he was serving God faithfully. I, was, I believe that he was being faithful to what God had called him to do. And this is what happened a few years back. He was abducted right from his car in Kalanajaya. And to this day, he has not been found. We indeed want to pray for his family at, at this time. But I believe that God looks at him and says, this man is a man that is faithful to God. This man lived for God. You know, he may not have achieved all the supposed success and accolades that I talked about earlier, but this man was doing exactly what the Lord has called him to do even prior to his abduction. Um, and, and, you know, he's probably never heard of before he was abducted. 
And this man is none other than Pastor Raymond Cole. And I believe that he is paying the price for his faith. And as at today, he has still not been found. I personally believe that he is successful. God is pleased with him, not because of the size of his church, not because of the eloquence of his speech, but because he has been faithful to what God has called him to do. Regardless of the persecution, regardless of, of wherever he is right now, he has remained faithful, true, and he has stood firm in God. So doesn't that really make us rethink what the success in ministry looks like? What does it really look like? So today, I want to encourage some of you here, you may be viewing this uh, from your homes, and, and you, are, you, you may be feeling like you are serving the house of God in the smallest, most in, insignificant of ways. And you may feel like you are giving so much of your energy, of your time, and no one ever noticed it. You know, um, for, for some of you, um, and, and there's somebody right behind the camera where I'm speaking to right now, you may be right behind the camera, the media ministry or the Mac team as we call it, um, or you may be have, uh, uh, editing videos during the whole of MCO. Nobody knows your name, nobody knows what you look like, but you serve God with all your heart. I want to commend you for that. And, uh, or you could be a, a wife of, of one of the leaders here in church, or vice versa, a husband or wife, and your husband does all the ministry, but you do all the coordinating, all the administrative work behind the scenes. No one sees it, but actually you are so important to the ministry. But I want to encourage you, no one may see it, no, no man may see it, but God sees it. And He appreciates you. He, he, he looks at you and, and thanks you for all you've done. Or you could be in, in an area of ministry where you're just thrown in and you dread it. You don't want to be in this area of ministry at all. But you believe that God has called you for such a time as this to be in that area of ministry. But what do you do? You remain faithful. You just fulfill what you need to do in that area and God will bless you. So I want to encourage you about this. The importance of wherever you are is this. Don't measure yourself with success the way the world looks at success. All you need to do is remain faithful to God and focus on what the Lord has put in your heart to do. And in due season, you will receive the reward. You will reap the benefits and the rewards of the work of your hands. Amen. I want to encourage that for, for all of you here. So, Today, I've, I, I want to quickly um, share about what I've spoken about so far. It's about open doors, open hands, and open hearts. So what happens next? You know, we talk about these three things. What happens next? What is the, 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 the result of a church that exhibits these qualities? Let's go down to verse 10. It says this, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So the result of all this, open doors, open hands, and an open heart, 
is that there is a promise that comes directly from God. So He will vindicate, He will protect those that have remained faithful to Him. And He will also protect you from the hour of trial that's going to come upon the whole world. So that is a promise from God. For those of you who have, who have been patient, who have endured persecution, um, uh, you've been through challenges, the promise from God is this. He Himself will be the one that rewards you. There is an account in the Bible about this man and a person in the Bible, um, uh, he was persecuted even to the point of giving his life, of losing his life. Yet, he stood up for his faith. This man is none other than, than Stephen. In the book of Acts, uh, and I'm reading from Acts 55 and 56, it says this, Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So Stephen saw the heavens open and he saw the, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, standing at the right hand of God. And this is the promise of God. At the end of the day, for those of you who persevere, for those of you who stay the course, what happens is that there will be an open heaven for you. There will be an open heaven for you. You know, I want to bless those of you who are, who are viewing this you may be persecuted for your faith. And, and, and I believe that, that uh, you may not be uh, persecuted to the point of, point of losing your life like, like uh, Stephen, but you may be going through a difficult time, a, a, a tough spot. You may be uh, having a life that is a lot more challenging because you made a stand for Christ. So you could have been ostracized for being a Christian be it uh, from uh, and excluded, you know, from, from your, your, your classmates, your friends, and even your colleagues. Or for those of you in the workplace, you could have been put in cold storage um, just because you are a Christian and because your boss doesn't like Christians. Or you could have been punished for doing what you know is right. You know, you're not cutting corners. You're not giving any under-table money. You're not doing special favours for a client because you know that is not the right thing to do. And you're listening to this and, and you're, you may be saying, you know what, Joel, Pastor Joel, that's me. I'm struggling. I'm trying to do what's right in the eyes of God, but I am paying the price for it. I want to encourage you, I want to say to you that even as you endure this challenge, which is not your fault, by the way, you are standing for what is right and God is going to be with you. God is going to bless you and He is going to bless your heart for doing what you needed to do. And you know, you will receive a reward. It may not be in dollars and in cents. It may not be something that you can uh, achieve tangibly, but it's going to be a reward that money can't buy. And that's what makes it worthwhile. So I want to encourage all of you here, don't lose heart don't lose heart I'm about to end but I just want to summarize the couple of things that I've highlighted today uh, again so firstly it's the open doors 
It is the opportunity to share the gospel wherever you may be, regardless of your situation and your circumstance. This door will not be shut and this door is open to you because of your unique position where you are. The second one is open hands. You may be in a position that you feel like you have little strength, but don't worry, your strength doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from what you can do or you cannot do. But your strength comes from the Lord. And even as you open your hands to Him, you say, I'm here. He will grant you the strength that you need. And third, open heart. You may be doing things, you may be serving the Lord in various capacities, in doing many different things. Nobody sees you. Nobody uh, appreciates you. Nobody notices you. But I want to say this, continue to live your life pleasing to God. He is the one that will reward you. And the result of all this is that the Lord will be pleased with you. He will give you a reward that money can't buy. He will give you uh, something that will protect you from what is coming next. And that is an open heaven. Friends, I've just talked about the Church of Philadelphia. All these points are about the, the Church of Philadelphia. And when we look at this, these are not, you know, something that is amazing. It's, it's very underwhelming, normal stuff. But because of the Church of Philadelphia, there are open doors to preach the Gospel. There are open hands to trust God's strength in their situation. There are open hearts to, to persevere and to, to press on. God has given them an open heaven. And you know what? This is one of the two churches out of the seven churches that God or Jesus has nothing negative to say. He has got nothing negative to say about this church. It's not about the riches of the church. It's not about the, the pomp and, and glamour of the church. But it's about the faithfulness of this church. And I pray that all of us will be like the church of Philadelphia, where the Lord is completely pleased with this church. You know, even as I close today, I want to pray for some of you here. You may be viewing it um, from your homes or from a mobile device, but I want to encourage you and I want to pray for, for some of you here. You know, you may be in a situation where you're saying, I need God. And I want to bless you because the Lord sees you. The Lord knows your situation. The Lord knows your circumstance. And at the end of the day, He is the one that will reward you. Or there could be, a, be some of you here. You could be serving the Lord's house in a way that seems very insignificant. It feels like nobody sees you, nobody knows you. And it's not like you want praise or accolades. You just want to be appreciated. I want to encourage you. Although man does not see it, the Lord sees it. He sees your faithfulness. He sees you coming in day by day, serving Him faithfully in the little that you do. You're going to honour Him. You're going to, you're going to bless His name. And all there, there are many of you here who are pastors and leaders um, uh, that are going to be uh, praying for you. And I want to encourage you, um, if you, if you need prayer, at the end of the service, go on to that link. Our pastors and leaders would love to pray for you. Let us bless you with a word of prayer.